This podcast is produced during the pandemic and hence the audio quality is home produced. Welcome to Beyond the Lines, a podcast by Roly about books, culture and our times. Well, have you been struggling to decide what cooking oil to use with your desi recipes like I have been? Or why is it important to eat seasonal local produce and explore the rich diversity of foods local to where you live? Does using desi ghee do more harm to your health than good? Are diets any useful? Are we really what we eat as they say? We talk about this and a whole lot more with Dr. Nandita Ayer, author of the upcoming cookbook Thali. Vegetarian Wholesomeness from India to be published by Rooney Books. I am Chirag Thakkar and this is Beyond the Lines. So welcome to Beyond the Lines, Nandita. Let's get started. You're someone who's so passionate about cooking. I think that is uh, an open secret and you're teaching other people to cook. You write columns on food, wellness, nutrition, better eating, better living. So I want to ask you do you sometimes not get bored of all that cooking and just want someone else to cook for you and feed you instead or does that already happen do other people at home also cook with you or for you Hi Chirag it's lovely to be talking to you um, Likewise Your question is very valid in fact every two days I uh, say aloud to the people at home that I'm going to stop cooking because uh, you know it's just like uh, there's one thing like cooking for joy and the creative aspect of it and uh, it's another thing to be like uh, cooking uh, to feed people at home which is like three times a day it's like a schedule it's a duty and that does get to you and that's like very regular everyday cooking right it's not inspiring it's not creative um so you know i need to find a uh, little joys in the preparation and the like you know right from buying the ingredients making sure everything is stocked uh that is a chore more than uh, a creative pursuit so those two are completely different things and uh yes so i do like to order out and you know sometimes i ask uh my housekeeper to make something uh, she's a fantastic cook which is why i don't want her to cook so much and i'll end up overeating which is why i, I i'm a bit careful about asking her to cook but uh, it does get boring sometimes very true and uh, i do like to take a break from it in whichever way i can i know what you mean about uh, cooking being a chore when done on an everyday basis i think i share that view with you i also am very fond of cooking especially when i'm hosting friends or if i'm hosting a party or i have like a bunch of uh, near and dear ones over i'll i'll go slightly elaborate and i'll indulge uh, my limited culinary skills compared to yours but everyday cooking does of course bring with it um, a sense of monotony so i completely get what you mean so you've authored two cookbooks already and are writing a third one how does a cookbook come together you know for the benefit of the readers uh, i am nandita's editor at roli books who's commissioned her to do this cookbook thali but tell our listeners nandita what is the process really like uh, i think it all starts with uh, the theme and uh, what is it exactly that you want to write about 
Um, and sometimes the idea comes from the editor and sometimes it's your own idea which you pitch to an editor or a publisher. I think uh, the most important part is there has to be a cohesive theme. At least when I buy a cookbook, uh, I like to see uh, where it's going. It can't be just a bunch of, uh, you know, scattered recipes brought together in a book. It needs to be inspiring, uh, be it uh, towards health, be it towards discovering uh, another community's uh, cuisine, uh, or be it another country's cuisine. So uh, inspiration uh, is something I look for when I buy or uh, I'm writing a cookbook. It, like my first cookbook uh, was all about everyday healthy vegetarian. And, uh, you know, a lot of people tell me that it inspires them uh, to cook their everyday meals a bit healthier, make it fun and interesting as well. So I think uh, the, that's the first, the idea of it. And uh, it needs to be a good idea. And then, of course, uh, you know, finding out who your audience is and catering uh, to them, uh, you know, in terms of uh, are the ingredients going to be available? If you're writing for a busy uh, couple, then are they going to have enough time to try out your recipe? So if I'm writing for, uh, you know, people who are working, I can't possibly, uh, you know, think of recipes which take two hours and two and a half hours of cooking. So uh, it needs to be practical uh, for the audience that you are writing this for. And then, of course, you list down a whole bunch of uh, uh, recipes and you see what works, what doesn't. Uh, you know, I think if my book has to have uh, 100 recipes, I would at least put 200 or 250 first and then, you know, cull out what doesn't work or select whatever works best. So uh, that's the whole process initially. And then, of course, trying out each recipe and, uh, you know, making sure it's presented in the uh, simplest possible way. So it's not intimidating to the reader. It carries all the instructions uh, properly. Uh, you know, very simple things like, uh, you know, a lot of recipes call for browning onions, right? So most of them, uh, they'll just mention that fried five, six minutes and uh, the onions are caramelized and now you can proceed. And that itself tells me that this recipe has not been tried out by the author or whoever has written the recipe because that doesn't happen in five or 10 minutes. That actually, if you're looking at caramelized onions, it takes 45 minutes. So there's no comparison between 10 minutes and 45 minutes, right? So uh, I want to present a recipe honestly and uh, not try to cut short on time just to fool the reader that this is a very quick recipe because uh, as someone who cooks a lot it's extremely frustrating if I think this is going to be ready in half an hour and it takes like one hour uh, you know thinking of these little things as someone who cooks I want to make sure that I'm making this process as simple and as uh, seamless as possible for my reader so uh, that comes next putting down the uh, you know, steps in a very, very uh, precise but simple manner. And then, of course, uh, some sometimes I'm required to take the photographs myself, in which case, again, I cook the recipe, I style it, and I photograph it, I edit it, and then, you know, um, then there's the whole process of submitting and then editing. <laughs> you know the drill, it just goes on for a while. But uh, I think... Uh, these are the basic processes that are involved in uh, writing a cookbook. Yeah, I think you've captured the process very well. And thank you. So I, I want to now start talking about some beliefs and trends that 
people have read about or have started to believe or have picked up on and from what you know i want you to tell me if they are true or not and why right so first up what is the best cooking oil for desi food and how does one go about deciding what oil to pick uh okay so uh desi food could be uh, you know north indian cuisine south indian from the east from the west etc and um, if you notice uh, the oil or the medium of cooking used in each cuisine uh, has always been whatever crop grows there the most uh, for example uh, kerala of course it's full of coconut trees so coconut oil is the medium of cooking uh, in the west maharashtra gujarat it's mostly groundnuts peanuts so groundnut oil is the medium for cooking in the north and in the east mustard is fairly common so mustard oil and uh, desi ghee uh, you know a lot in punjab and places where dairy is uh, big uh, desi ghee is very common there's the prevalence of using gingerly oil or sesame oil in uh, south indian cuisine so like we see it's mostly uh, the geography that decides what cooking medium uh each region or community uh cuisine uses right but in today's times we are not just cooking uh, our community's cuisine we you know i'm tamil but i end up cooking a lot of bengali food i cook punjabi food i cook gujarati food a lot so uh it's not going to taste the same if i use gingerly oil which is predominantly in tamil cuisine if i end up making a bengali dish and that is not going to taste the same so one thing to consider is what cuisine are you cooking and uh, try and use the oil or the medium to cook that which will uh, you know do it justice uh, and bring out the authentic flavors and the original flavors that you are looking for so that's one thing and if you look from the health perspective uh, cold pressed oils are generally considered to be uh, healthier for us uh, rather than the refined oils which are going through a lot of processing a lot of added chemicals in the process uh, etc so uh, if you are looking at things like uh, you know oil extracted from sunflower seeds oil extracted from sesame seeds oil extracted from peanuts now these have a lot of antioxidants the seeds themselves are very rich in antioxidants uh, sesame seeds peanuts uh, sunflower seeds these are all superfoods a uh, highly nutrient dense ingredients and when you're extracting the oil from that and you're putting it through a lot of processing which is what happens in uh, you know the packaged uh, branded oils uh, it it's not going to carry all those health benefits to you when you're using it in cooking so uh, cold pressed oils are definitely preferred and luckily in uh, our present times there are a lot of cold pressed oils available in these local stores if you go to any farmers market or even your local organic store will be stocking a lot of them so uh, that's a very good place to start in terms of uh, you know what oil to use and then of course uh, you know if you're cooking italian food definitely you can go for uh, olive oil so like i said one is cuisine dependent and the other is uh, if you're looking at from the health perspective but then of course everything in moderation right because you know extra virgin olive oil is very good for health but it doesn't mean that it's zero calorie so if you're going to make a salad and use uh, extra virgin olive oil in the dressing and use like you know 5 tablespoons of it ultimately it is going to add up in your calorie uh, intake for the day and it is going to uh, you know add up to the weight 
in the long run so uh, everything in moderation even if i use cold pressed oil uh, calorie wise it is the same as any regular oil so if i am watching my uh, intake and uh, you know if i'm watching my fat percentage in the food uh, this is something that needs to be considered that uh, can't go overboard just because it's a good quality ingredient fair enough fair enough i see what you're saying and i'm probably going to start using some of your tips in my kitchen so thali right thali is a cookbook that breaks down recipes from across the length breadth and width of india simple and elaborate ones and of course from all the four major seasons in the country right we've got spring summer monsoon and winter and in each season what nandita does is that she picks out seasonal ingredients and produce and tells us what the season means to different cultures so i want to ask nandita then why is it so important to eat local seasonal produce yeah so seasonal produce is sometimes quite hard to find out what is in season because uh, you know you literally get uh, everything around the year and uh, you know you get cauliflowers in peak summers and uh, you know things like except for something like uh, the red carrot or you know what we call delhi carrots uh, in the other parts of the country uh, those make an appearance only during winter somehow but pretty much everything else like even green peas are found uh, around the year so you know the question that uh, gets commonly asked is how do you even know what is in season right so a good way to say that is whatever is uh, available for really cheap uh, you know that that is available in plenty and it is available in plenty because it's in season you know i remember once when i used to live in hyderabad uh, i went to uh, this local uh, you know mandi or the farmers market not the fancy farmers market like the regular farmers it's called raitu bazaar in uh, the local language so i went there with my neighbor and uh, literally tomatoes were available at 2 rupees a kilo and i think i must have come home with 10 kilos of tomatoes and wondering what to make with it <laughs> so that and you know like i bought it greedily because it was cheap and then i had so much work to do because i had to like make something out of it and uh, then make sure i'm giving it to people because what am i going to do sitting on all of that or whatever i made i don't remember that was like more than 10 years ago but that's the beauty of seasonal produce one it's uh, really uh, inexpensive and two it is bursting with flavor because uh, you know the same cauliflower even if you find it in summer it's not going to taste as good as it tastes in the winter and uh, somehow uh, there's this correlation where you know the soil conditions during that time of the year and the nutrients in the soil uh, are just uh, easier to grow certain foods during certain times of the year so it just means that the nutrients in the vegetable are definitely going to be uh, better than eating non-seasonal uh, foods because uh, you know what's in the soil is ultimately what's in your vegetable So if you look at ayurveda it also recommends uh, certain foods during certain seasons like cooling foods uh, during summers and warming foods during winter and uh, if you look at it these are the foods that are actually in season during that time of the year so things like uh, you know amla come into season during the winters when there's uh, chances of getting a flu or a cold or you know that kind of uh, 
illness is more so then you just it's just wonderful that something that is so rich in vitamin c that builds your immunity and keeps you from falling sick is available exactly at that time of the year when you need it the most uh, similar uh, to that is uh, fresh turmeric which is also in season around end december early jan etc and uh, also i think ayurveda pretty much follows the principles of nature and the seasons and it all just comes together so beautifully so i think um, it's not wrong to eat foods that are not in season but it's very good for you if you eat things that are in season right i think that's very well put that i think it, it you benefit most from eating uh, seasonal foods and there's obviously nothing wrong with eating foods um, that are not typically found in that season um and of course i think you make an important case for taste and flavor right like what is available in a particular season will taste the tastiest in that season right uh so now about the elephant in the room nandita i want to ask you and i'm probably asking you on behalf of many many people uh who um have thought about this have tried these things uh do diets work and would you advise people to go on diets you know people go on keto diets protein diets plant based diets dairy free diets uh people are trying intermittent fasts and diets that are compatible with those what is your advice on dieting as a whole this is the toughest question you can ask anybody <laughs> i couldn't couldn't have thought of anyone better to ask this yeah so chirag you listed quite a few uh, diets and uh, you know if i may also call some of them being fads and uh, i'm sure everything works in the short run see suppose uh, you know i'm eating uh, uh, say like 1800 calories a day in my daily diet and it I include a fair bit of carbs and uh, you know there is fats there's protein but i'm eating like i'm not shunning rotis and bread and rice i'm eating everything and suddenly i changed my diet uh, to say a keto diet which is uh, maybe uh, you know 1500 calories it's also a little less in the calories and i'm also avoiding carbohydrates completely you know it is a shock to the body and uh, it's a complete uh, contrast to what you've been eating until now so definitely the body uh, will react and definitely uh, they will lose weight and if they continue to follow this they will continue to lose weight for a while i think uh, weight as a number is not the only indicator of good health because good health also includes mental health i don't want to lead my whole life craving for foods i don't think it's healthy um, emotionally uh when you're constantly thinking about oh my god i can't eat that or you know my friends are eating cake on i can't celebrate someone's birthday with cake or uh, you know simple things like gajar ka halwa in the winters i mean this is life right uh, if you're living a life of complete uh, avoidance and complete restrictions then what is life to live in this constant uh, state of craving or uh, you know avoidance i don't think it is uh, healthy in the long run uh, mentally as well and uh, i also always look at one thing how sustainable is this if i 
you know, I, in, in that respect, I quite prefer uh, something like an intermittent fasting uh, because I don't mind, uh, you know, not having food for a certain window in the day. And if I, you know, if I'm going out, I can move that window to uh, maybe a few hours little later in the day or earlier in the day. And uh, that's more doable. And there's nothing like I cannot eat and there's no strict avoidance of anything. And uh, it is, uh, and fasting is something that has actually uh, worked uh, since the hunter-gatherer times because unlike us, they didn't have a fridge, they didn't have Swiggy, and they didn't have, uh, you know, instant uh, things like microwave and stuff. So it's not like they could get access to food whenever they wanted. So the hunters and gatherers, they would possibly go for days before they found a prey or they found some foraged food to eat. And... Uh, when they found something, they ate well and they sometimes had to go a couple of days without food and we have evolved from that. So I think not eating for a certain period of time just regulates our uh, hormones, uh, you know, it, it regulates our metabolism and our insulin response. And this thing about constantly eating because we are always surrounded by food, having that strict window where we don't eat food. I think it's uh, very beneficial. It also, uh, I, uh, personally, because I followed that a lot and uh, I still believe in it a lot and I, I follow that even today. So it just builds a bit of mental uh, strength as well, saying, uh, you know, for like these 14 or 16 hours a day, I'm just not going to eat. So it's not like, you know, it just uh, prevents uh, food from being on your mind all the time. Uh, because you're always surrounded by it. So I think uh, that for me is still more sustainable than having avoidance-based uh, diets, which uh, definitely make people lose weight in the short run. But is it possible for someone to do this lifelong? And if they can, well done. Uh, and I'm not talking about uh, vegan or gluten-free kind of diets, which are more uh, for a lifestyle and, uh, you know, depending on uh, the principles that people follow in their lives or an allergy situation, which could be the case in gluten-free diets. But I, I'm talking more about, uh, you know, fad diets, like, you know, avoid this, avoid that, uh, that kind of thing. So one, is it going to suit your lifestyle? And especially see if someone is a vegan or a vegetarian, asking them to go on a keto diet is crazy because there's a very, very limited number of things which the person can eat, which does not have carbs. Pretty much every vegetarian food has some portion of carbs. Some may have very less, but it's still very tough to find such low carb foods as our meats and non-vegetarian food. So one, is it going to fit my lifestyle? And two, is it something I can do all my life, uh, you know, without this constant feeling of deprivation and uh, does it make me feel good in the long run um, because it's not just one uh, number which is my weight which I need to be in pursuit of there's so much more to think of when you want to have a good physical and mental health so I think I would sum up that way there is much to be spoken in detail about every single diet but I think this is how I would sum it up all right, I think we learned a great deal about food hacks, myths and tips. So let's move on now to our get to know your author section, where I will be asking you very quick rapid fire questions and you'll only have a few seconds to respond to each, right? So let's get started with get to know your author. Nandita, what's your guilty pleasure? <laughs> I can't think so quickly. <laughs> I think I like a good cheesecake any day. 
Wow, I love that too. A show you love binge watching over and over again. Downton Abbey. Oh, I love that. I love that. Mustard, coconut, or sunflower? The better oil or the oil you love? I love mustard oil. Strong flavors. Right. All-time comfort food for you? Dal rice. Same here. Uh, if you were an indoor plant, what plant will you be? Monstera. <laughs> and if you were a pickle or a chutney which one will you be what pickle that's such an interesting question i think i'll be uh, you know that punjabi mixed vegetable pickle because you get a little bit of everything in that and i think i'm just like that a mixed bag of things so okay. yeah interesting one thing you're most terrified of what is this i'm not scared of anything thinking much to my son's annoyance it's the roller coaster rides because i can never join him on one right right well that must feel terrifying hosting a dinner party and you overcooked or undercooked something or added nahi yaar i don't care to be honest <laughs> okay dal or sambar what is superior sambar okay now since you're a uh, student of classical music as well begum akhtar gohar jaan or bade ghulam ali khan who would you be best friends with Bade Gulam Ali Khan. Okay, an overrated chef or food writer in your opinion, and you cannot skip this question. Oh my God! Don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to answer this, please. You don't think Sanjeev Kapoor is overrated? <laughs> he is, of course. I, he was the most uh, common overrated thing. Okay, a holiday destination you cannot wait to go to. Japan. a quick cocktail recipe that nobody has heard of that you have either created or improvised i'm actually going to give you two so one is this very traditional uh, you know drink we make during ram navmi it's called panagam and it's as traditional an indian drink uh, as it can get it's got jaggery green cardamom uh, some dried ginger and uh, you know water so it's this like sweet and spicy drink and uh, you know i pretty blasphemous when there was some leftover panagam in the evening i actually mixed vodka into that <laughs> okay that's one it actually it actually ended up tasting very good good combination and the second one is uh, it's not something no one has heard of because i think i must have tweeted about it when i made it uh, you know i like to call it the herbalist and i just uh, go into my garden and i pluck a bunch of whatever herbs are there like mint or you know the basil and whatever i find just put a lot of it into a tall glass muddle it up with uh, limes and uh, add uh, some uh, sugar syrup and uh, you know either any white spirit like gin or vodka top it up with some uh, you know soda or uh, like a limka or something like that any lemony uh, citrus uh, drink so it's just it's got this beautiful fragrance from all the herbs that you've crushed with the lime and when you crush the lime you get all that uh, you know the essence from the peel as well and then the vodka or gin and the lemon thing it's just the most refreshing thing in summers wow that sounds delicious thank you nandita this has been so much fun where can our listeners find you on social media So I am uh, Saffron Trail, which is the name of my blog, SaffronTrail dot com. So I'm Saffron Trail on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you can find me in all these three places. Fantastic! This is Beyond the Lines. We will be back soon with our next episode. Stay tuned. 
Thank you everyone for listening in. This was Beyond the Lines by Roly. If you liked this show, then subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and check out all our books on rolybooks.com. That is R O L I B O O K S.com. Since you are here, you can get a 20% discount on all the featured books in this podcast series with a special coupon code BTL20 on cmykbookstore.com. That is cmykbookstore.com. We'll be back soon with our next episode. In the meantime, do tell others about our podcast and stay tuned.